Man, I hate to interrupt such good singing, but I will, so be seated, all right? Good to see everybody here today on this Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter. Very special time in the life of, of our church, a special time in the life of believers as we think back to what our Lord did for us that, that day on Calvary as we spend this time together. An opportunity this week to share Jesus with many folks who are thinking about Jesus at this time of year when maybe not any other time of the year they're thinking about Him. Is it just me or do you feel as if, you know, sometimes we're just too high-tech these days? I mean, it's hard being a redneck in a high-tech world. <laughs> you can get over my head pretty quickly. And I, in more ways than one, by the way. But you can get over my head, okay? But I was reading the other day on the internet and it, it sort of rang true to me. There were ten reasons how you know that we're too high-tech, Okay? Uh, one, you accidentally enter your password on your microwave. <laughs> Two, you haven't played solitaire with real cards in years. Three, you have a list of 15 phone numbers to reach your family of three. Four, you email the person who works at the desk right next to you. All of you have done that probably, right? Five, your reason for not staying in touch with friends and family is that they are not on Facebook. Number six, you pull in your driveway and use your cell phone to see if anyone is in the house to help you carry in the groceries. Number seven, every commercial on television has a website at the bottom of the screen. Number eight, leaving the house without your cell phone, which you didn't even have a few years ago, is now cause for panic, and you turn around and go back to the house and get it. We've all, how many of you did that this morning? Some did that this morning? We do that, right? Okay. <laughs> you get up in the morning and you go online to check your email even before getting your first cup of coffee. We're very, very high tech. We live in a very, very, seems like difficult world these days. Do you ever wish for a, a simpler time? When maybe things weren't quite so fast and furious and things weren't quite so difficult. I, I remember growing up about 90 miles uh, north of Panama City Beach. And uh, just about 20 miles over the state line there in the great state of Alabama. But 90 miles, you know, was not very far, but it was a totally different world from where we live to Panama City Beach. In those days, Panama City hadn't gotten all that popular. Destin, there was nothing there. There were a few things in Fort Walton, Pensacola, but pretty much, you know, the, 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 the panhandle really was the Redneck Riviera. There was not a whole lot going on down there. But every year, every year, that's where we went for vacation. My dad would take off work, uh, and we would go. We would leave Sunday just as soon as church was over, and, and we would come back on Saturday night, and we would go to the same motel every year because my dad knew the guy and liked him and so every year we look the whole the other 51 weeks of the year we look forward to going on vacation 90 miles down the road right but it was a big deal to us and my sister there was just the two of us my sister and I uh we would play all week long uh, in the water on the beach in the pool it was just a, it was just a great time and I remember one year we had bought these, you know, these blow-up rafts, these little floats that you buy, and, and we were playing, and it was a real calm day. There weren't a lot of people around. And I remember getting out on that float and, and laying on it and somehow, some way, fell asleep, dozed off. 
Now, I don't know how long I dozed, how long I napped, but when I woke up, I was a long, long, long way away from the shore. Now, you couldn't see Cuba from where I was, but it was pretty close. I mean, I think there were some cruise ships going by out in the area where I was. I was a long way. And my first thought when I looked up and saw how far I was from the shore, my first thought was, my daddy's going to kill me if he sees me this far out. And I began to paddle furiously trying to get back to the shore. Isn't it amazing how through no effort at all, I just slowly but surely drifted away from the shore. You know, it's easy to do that spiritually too. There can be a time when we're walking with our Lord, we're following in His footsteps on the shore, and then almost without realizing it, we've wandered away. We've drifted apart. The pull of the world and the, and the tides of sin carry us away. And all of a sudden, God's way over there, and we're way over here. And when we find ourselves in that situation, it's very easy to blow it. Have you ever just blown it? Brother Tom's preaching the last three weeks on David. How David, a man after God's own heart, blew it. And if a man after God's own heart can blow it, surely I can. In Mark chapter 14, we, we read about a man that, uh, that blew it. We know him as Peter. Mark chapter 14. We'll begin reading in verse 66. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later those who stood by said to Peter, Surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. And then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Second time the rooster crowed, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Please be seated. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt closer to God than you do right now? If you have, ask yourself, who moved? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The shore doesn't move. God doesn't move, but sometimes we drift away. Now, here was a man, Peter. 
that had walked with Jesus day and night for three years. He was one who along with his brother Andrew, they were out by the, by the Sea of Galilee fishing, and Jesus walked by and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately Peter and Andrew, along with James and John, they left their fishing, they left their family, they left their nets, they left their boats, and they went and they followed Jesus. Peter was often the spokesman for the group. It was Peter that answered when Jesus said, Who do they say that I am? He said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Oh, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven did. It was Peter that on that night when they saw Jesus walking across the, the, the Sea of Galilee, walking on the, on the sea, that Peter looked and said, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. And Jesus said, Come on. And Peter walked out the door and began walk out the boat and began walking across the sea just like Jesus. Until he began to notice the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. But it was this same Peter who, who followed Jesus. And yet it was this same Peter. Who when the moment came. When the test came. Three times he said. I don't even know the man. I have no idea what you're even talking about. He blew it. But I believe in looking at the life of Peter, we can find some answers as to what to do when we blow it. Because maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I have blown it. I've used up all my chances. I don't think there's any more grace left for me. I'm done. That's the way Peter must have felt. You know, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this is one of the stories that is recorded in every one of the Gospels. It's very important. It's important for you and me today. It was important for the life of the New Testament church. It was important for Peter. But I believe by looking at the life of Peter right here in chapter 14, we, we, we can find some hints as to what to do when we blow it. First of all, we've got to recognize... What caused us to blow it? And there were all kinds of factors, and, and we could name things in our life, but I believe we see a lot of them here in, in the life of Peter. First of all, look back with me in verse 29. Excuse me, let's go back to verse 27. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, assuredly I say to you that today, even this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he, talking about Peter, spoke even more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. You see, one of the primary things that called Peter to blow it was his overconfidence. I mean, can't you just imagine? Here he was just telling Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, you'll all leave me. Peter said, not me, Lord. 
rest of these guys, they might run, but not me. Jesus said, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied even knowing me three times. And Peter still argued with the Lord, and he said, no, not me. Even if it costs me my life, I will not deny you. You see, we have to be very careful spiritually. That we don't ever get to the point where we think, hey, I'm doing pretty good at this. I've overcome a lot. I've grown spiritually. I am mature. And we look around at other people who are failing and falling and we would say, oh, well, that could never happen to me. That could never happen in, in my life. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Because always as we see someone, we can say except for the grace of God. There go I. See, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, right? And he was trying to warn Peter, but Peter wouldn't listen because Peter thought he could handle it. He was strong. His ego got in the way. Someone said that those little letters, ego, E-G-O, stands for edging God out. You see, if we're not careful in our spiritual life, we can almost become cocky. Arrogant, overconfident in ourselves, thinking that we can handle things on our own. And when we do, we blow it. We fall. Peter was overconfident. But I think we see something else here. After Jesus had the, the conversation with them, they, they, they went out into to a garden to, to pray. And in verse 32, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And, and he took Peter, there's Peter again, James and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And then look in verse 37. And then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not even watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, here was a man who just said he would never deny Jesus. Jesus took him. They went into the garden, and he told the three of them, you guys stay here, you watch, and you pray, and I'm going on a little farther. And when he came back, what did he find them doing? Same thing some of you are doing. You've dozed off. They had dozed off there in the garden. They'd had a big meal. It was late at night. I mean, you know, a little bit understandable, right? And three times Jesus went and prayed and three times he came back and what were they doing every time? They were asleep. You see, a second thing that can cause us to blow it is a lack of spiritual discipline in our life. 
You see, we need time in the Word and we need time in prayer every day. For you to think that you can go to work and get on with your life without spending time in the Word in prayer, again, is being overconfident. Because when we don't spend time in the Word and prayer, then we begin to, to lean on our own understanding. We begin to, to walk in our own strength. We try to do things according to our way. You know, every night we have to plug up those cell phones, don't we, to keep them charged. So they'll work when we need them to during the day. And, and for you and me as believers, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We, we have a supernatural battery there. But spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer is what gets us charged. Helps keep us strong. Helps keep us walking according to the will of God. And if we, if we get out of that habit, if we lose that discipline, then before long we begin to wind down. And we begin to wear out. And we begin to grow spiritually fatigued. And when we're spiritually fatigued, that's when the enemy comes against us. And that's when we'll blow it. That's when we'll fall. Jesus said, Peter, the Spirit's willing. I, I know what you want to do, but your flesh is weak. That's why you got to watch. and That's why you got to pray. I like what Jesus said to Peter on another occasion. He said, oh, Peter, the enemy wants to come and get you and sift you like wheat. But I got you. I'm going to hold on to you. But even now, even still, Peter's trying to rely on Peter to get through it. Well, the scripture says that they came and they got Jesus. And they led him away. But notice in verse 54, but Peter, to his credit, followed him. The other disciples scattered, but Peter followed him. But notice those next three words. At a distance. He followed him at a distance. Why? Because all of a sudden, it wasn't popular to be a follower of Jesus. Now on Sunday when they were having the big parade and they were waving the palm branches and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, it was popular to follow Jesus. Everybody was having a good time. But all of a sudden now, when there were soldiers with swords and clubs they were hauling Jesus away to be crucified. All of a sudden, it wasn't real popular to be a follower of Jesus. You see, another thing that can cause us to drift away, can cause us to, to, to blow it, is fear of others' opinions. You see, there's only one judge, and one day we're all going to stand before him. And the Scripture says that we're all going to give an account, even for every idle word that's spoken. But Peter, Peter stood back at a distance. What about us? You see, it's easy to come in here on Sunday morning when everybody else is praising and, and, and singing and, and we're enjoying time together. It's easy to come in here and praise God. 
But what about on Monday morning when we go to work? What about Thursday evening at the ballpark? What about Friday and Saturday night when we're hanging out with our friends? Are we standing for Him then? Or do we want to follow at a distance? You see, sometimes it's sort of like we want to be secret agent Christians. God doesn't need any of us being 007s. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, if you're ashamed of me and my words down here in this sinful and adulterous generation, of you I'll be ashamed before my Father in heaven. He doesn't need for us to be ashamed of him down here. It doesn't matter what other people might think or might not think. You see, Jesus said, follow me. You know, it's easy to try to compartmentalize our life, right? We got our church life. We got our family life. We got our work life. We got our social life. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves trying to fit into about four or five different molds and be four or five different people. Now, that might work for politicians. But it won't work for believers. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross daily. And follow me. It doesn't matter what others think. Peter followed at a, at a distance. And, and notice as he was following at a distance, he went right into the courtyard. And he sat with the servants and he warmed himself at the fire. See, I think we'll see another hint, a fourth reason that we can drift away and blow it as Peter was hanging with the wrong crowd. Remember your mama teaching you, you become like those you run with? Now, now, now don't hear me say that as believers that we ought not to be building relationships with unbelievers and, and we need to be friendly and reaching out to folks who don't know Jesus. But understand, as a believer, there ought to be a difference in your life and the life of the world. And for new believers especially, you can't come to know Jesus and run with that old crowd that you used to run with. Because instead of you pulling them up, they will pull you down. And you'll be right back in the same habits, with the same hurts, experiencing the same hang-ups. That you had before. That's why it's important for God's people to be around God's people. Because we encourage one another. The scripture says as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We need one another. That's why we come together. To encourage and to, and to be encouraged. But notice there was Peter just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Notice warming himself at the fire very quickly. Another reason that some people blow it and drift away it's the comforts of life nothing wrong with sitting by a fire and getting warm but you know if we're not careful we can worry more about being comfortable than we do about being committed and all of a sudden then the things of the world begin to call us to, to drift away Maybe 
maybe money, financial things. It, it may be time at the lake. It, it might be time in the woods or whatever. But all of a sudden, we begin to, to love those things more than we love God. And it's so easy if we're not careful. You know, you, you skip out on God one week, it's a lot easier to skip out on him another week. And then another week. Before long, you wake up and realize, I'm over here and God's over there. You know, one of the things I'm so thankful about my mom and dad is that on Sunday morning, we never thought a second thought about where we were going to be. As I mentioned earlier, even when we went on vacation, even when we went on vacation, we waited and we left after church was over. I mean, we thought it almost sinful that we missed Sunday night and Wednesday night. Because every other week, I was once a year, every other week, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And my dad wasn't a preacher. My dad wasn't a deacon. My dad wasn't brought up to go to, he didn't get saved when he was 31 years old. He never heard his dad talk about Jesus until he was 85 years old. When he got saved, he knew where he wanted his family to be. And looking back, I'm so glad he did. You see, it's easy to get overconfident, to lose our spiritual discipline, to, to start thinking about other people's opinions, to hang out with the wrong crowd, and then just start enjoying the comforts of life and, and forget the things of God. Because Jesus is very careful. He said, hey, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Recognize what caused you to blow it. Very quickly, real quick. Realize that God wants you back. Scripture says that Peter went out and wept. Ma uh, Matthew and Luke, and there they said he went out and wept bitterly. Peter must have been thinking, I have done it now. This is it. I mean, I put my foot in my mouth before. But now, out of all of that bragging, out of all of that boasting, out of all that I said that I would do, I denied I even knew Jesus three times. But after Jesus was crucified, and after Jesus was resurrected, the angel said to his disciples, or to the, to the women there in Mark 16, verse 7. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I've arose and go wait for me in Galilee. You see, Peter had to understand that God still loved him. Jesus hadn't gave up on him. Because God's love is unconditional. God's love is with no strings attached. Peter's sin, like my sin and, and your sin as believers, our sin is already paid for. God just doesn't forgive us of those sins that we commit before we become Christians. God, Jesus died on the cross so that the sins that we commit after we become Christians will be covered as well. Because none of us are perfect. We all need a sacrifice. We all need a propitiation, a sacrifice for our sin. And Peter had to understand that Jesus was dying on the cross for his sin, for his shortcomings, for his missing of the mark, and that God doesn't hold a grudge.
You say, well, if it's that easy, if, if it's that easy, then why worry about it? Why not just live any way we want to live? Hey, if you ask that question, you don't understand grace. Because grace is understanding that a holy, righteous God loved us enough that He would send His Son, Jesus, who would endure all of that pain, shame, and agony on the cross so that we could live forever. And the difference between Peter and an unbeliever was that when Peter sinned, it broke his heart. And he wept bitterly. You see, the person that can just sin and sin and sin and sin and it never bothers them, that's proof they don't belong to the Father. Because whom God loves, He disciplines. And when we sin as believers, God convicts our hearts to bring us back to Him. God doesn't hold a grudge. See, Peter found that out. I wish we had time to read John 21. We don't. Don't worry. We're not going to read it. We've got to get out, okay? But I hope you will read John 21 if you had not already read it. Jesus, it got time. Jesus had risen. The other disciples said, well, Peter, what are we going to do now? Peter said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to go back to fishing. That's all he knew. That's what he'd done all of his life. Jesus had called him to be a fisher of men, but he was just going back to fishing. And so he went to fishing, and Jesus that morning, they'd fished all night and hadn't caught a thing. They saw somebody up on the beach, said, hey, throw your net out on the other side. And they did, and they just hauled in all those fish, and they realized, hey, it's the Lord. Peter jumped out and swam to the shore. And he sat there and had breakfast with Jesus. can't you just imagine Peter as they sat there and ate breakfast sitting there with his head down ashamed of what he'd done thinking that any minute Jesus is going to bring it up and say I told you so oh you talk big Peter but what happened big man when it got down to it and Peter thinking, I, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be shown up right here in front of all of these disciples that I talk so big in front of. And yet Jesus said, come on, Peter, let's go for a walk. And three times he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I believe he asked him three times because Peter denied him three times. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I do. And Peter understood that God still loved him. But finally, the most important, recognize what caused you to blow it, realize that God still loves you, you need to return to him immediately. Jeremiah 15, 19 says, If you will return, I will restore you that you may serve me. Don't ever think, believer, that, hey, because of what I've done, God could never use me. Don't ever think I've blown it so bad. Why, I, God would never want to use me. God, I'm not even sure God loves me anymore. Let 
You see, we didn't do anything to get saved. And we can't do anything to get unsaved either. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I hold them in my hand. You see, if you find yourself drifted away from God, you don't have to stay there. The word for repent literally means to turn, do a U-turn. If you found that you've drifted away from the shore, you've drifted away from God, the only person keeping you away right now is you. Because God's Holy Spirit in your heart is saying, why don't you come back? Maybe today you need to pray as David prayed, as we heard last week as Brother Tom preached, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. There's no one any more miserable than a believer who's drifted away from God. A believer who's out of fellowship with God. A believer who is not where he or she needs to be. Jesus said, I died on the cross to save you. I died on the cross to keep you saved. Why don't you just come on home? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you restored Peter.